0: Hello, and welcome back to Nature's Wonders. Today, we're joined with Chris from CNM Aquatics. He's going to be talking about all things aquaculture. This podcast is sponsored by Aquachar, Corals Anonymous, and Willow's Reef. Sit back and enjoy the show. Thank you. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good, Will. How are you? I'm doing good so tell me a little bit about how you got into the hobby and how that has led into the business that you own today
1: yeah um so as a kid uh you know had a goldfish like most kids and dogs and had some lizards and pets and I just kind of always found myself taking care of something and had a few freshwater tanks growing up and as I got older, into my 20s, I discovered the saltwater side of the aquarium hobby and really just kind of fell in love with it and started learning about it and got into corals. And then about 10 years later after that, uh, long story short, just decided to kind of start a business. My full-time career's starting to wind down and I needed something to kind of fall back on.
0: And that business is CNM aquatics, correct? Yes, that is correct. So for your business, you specialize in trying to get fully aquacultured coral. Can you tell me about what aquacultured means?
1: Yeah. So so my goal eventually is to be pretty much, you know, completely self sufficient, you know, somewhere between ninety five and a hundred percent. So what that means is instead of pulling corals out of the ocean to sell, once I get my, you know, my base set of corals, I'm going to grow them out and cut them and propagate them. And hopefully it'll be self self self-sufficient to where I get enough to where I'll just be cutting my own coral and we'll never have to pull from the wild. It'll be fully self-sustainable.
0: So right now, what is your uh, whole system of all your tanks?
1: Total right now I have 13 aquariums set up.
0: And are all of these frag tanks?
1: No. Um, so I've got I've got three main systems. So like my my frag system right now has 255 gallon frag tanks and then two 20 gallon tanks I'm growing soft corals in and they're all tied together into the same sump. So that's all one system. And then I have another system that's um, it's essentially my soft coral grow out tank, where it's a 55 gallon aquarium, and it's tied into another 30 gallon aquarium, and they tie and they tie into the same sump.
0: Mm-hmm. To aquaculture of coral, what is the process in aquaculturing one coral sustainably? Like when do you frag it? How long do you grow out? is there certain things that you look for while this whole process happens?
1: Yeah. Um, it, it really depends kind of species to species. Cause you know that, you know, some corals grow faster than others, but a general, you know, rule of thumb, you don't want to cut them when they're too small. Um, so I'll let them grow out into more of like a colony size. Um, you know, it, it just depends on the coral. Um, But the main things you want to look for are, you know, is it healthy? Is it growing? Does it have good coloration? You don't ever want to cut a coral that isn't healthy because you're running the risk of killing the mother colony and the frag.
0: And do you find that a a mother colony will grow faster when you frag it? Kind of like if you trim back a plant, it'll kind of grow back faster and stronger?
1: Um... I think in my personal experience, once again, it depends on the coral. Um, like Acropora, Bird's Nest, they're, they're generally fast growers regardless. They're pretty fast growing corals. Um, but some of the other LPS varieties, uh, like, like Acans, I'll let them grow out as, as large as I can. Because the, the bigger the, the mother colony is, the bigger it is, the more surface area it has. It actually has, you know, more surface area to grow. It'll grow quicker, get more mass faster, the bigger it is.
0: What type of parameters are you focusing on to get this fast growth or get the growth to be as fast as you can so that you can just cut and sell? Right. So the
1: main thing, your, your foundation, just like keeping, you know, an aquarium in your home is going to be your main three parameters, your alkalinity, your calcium, and your magnesium. So you want all those to be, so alkalinity, I try to keep between 8.5 and 9. My calcium, I try to keep around 420. And then magnesium, 1300 to 1350 in that range. Um, So if you can shoot for that and keep it within those ranges, it's more important, I think, to have it constant and stable than, than to shoot for a specific number.
0: And because of your large quantity of corals in your tank and not many fish, um, do you find that you're chasing numbers a lot when you're dosing? And how do you avoid that?
1: So when I first set this stuff up, yeah, I was having having trouble, you know, keeping everything constant. I was, I was getting alkalinity spikes and drops when I did a ton of coral. And about a month ago, I actually ended up buying a couple dosing pumps for the the three main systems. And that's really starting to help out a lot. It's keeping, you know, my alkalinity, calcium and magnesium pretty stable. Mm
0: -hmm. And you, you, uh, do you dose soda ash?
1: Yes, that is how that's the alkalinity that I'm dosing right now.
0: And I know that you have a kind of a special way that you have been dosing that lately. Can you talk about a little bit about what that is and how it's been working.
1: Yeah. Um, so the main reason I do it is just because buying aquarium supplements can get pretty expensive, you know, going to your fish store. And it's not too bad if you just got one tank, but if, if you're trying to do it on a commercial scale, that really adds up quickly. So for the alkalinity, what it is, it's um, is baking soda. Like you just get regular baking soda at the grocery store. And I'll throw it in the oven, just lay it out on a cookie sheet and spread it out. And it goes in the oven at 300 degrees for an hour. And what that does is it it bakes off all the CO2 in the um, baking soda. And then you're left with something called soda ash. It looks exactly the same as baking soda. It just takes the CO2 out. And doing that just helps to keep the pH stable while you're dosing it. Um... And I'll I'll mix it up. I'll do one cup of soda ash into a gallon of RODI water. And that goes straight into my dosing container on my dosing pumps. And that's how I'm doing my alkalinity.
0: Before you're using your dosing pump, were you using an IV to dose your supplements?
1: Yeah, I I guess you saw one of my videos out there.
0: Yeah. Did that work or was that just not too good?
1: Yeah, so... If you watch the video, I, I tried to set up like a DIY gravity fed drip system. Um, there were pros and cons. It, it did raise my alkalinity, but it was very difficult to dial it in. Like I couldn't get it, get the, precis- the precision that I wanted out of it. That was one of the main issues with it. Um, then I had a, a container fail a couple months into it. <laughs> so that that wasn't good either.
0: So you would not recommend dosing with an IV.
1: If you wanna if you're experienced and in and, and want to try it, you know, go for it. Because I did learn some things from it. But just keep in mind you're probably not gonna get it dialed in, you know, to the level of a dosing pump. And that's kind of what I'm going for is just the stability.
0: Yeah. So because you want your stability, what kind of filtration are you running? Or do you not have a lot of fish so that you're filtration is not as heavy as just even a normal reef tank with a lot of fish
1: um no that's a good point um i don't have a ton of fish but i definitely do have fish in all the systems to help with you know pest and algae and things like that um but to get the coral to grow as fast as i can i am feeding very heavily every day i'm feeding you know throughout the week um and to keep my you know nitrates and phosphates down i do have a, a lot of um mechanical filtration and i run i run a carbon media reactor with carbon in it and then i got the protein skimmers and filter socks and bioblocks and so, so i do have a decent amount of filtration in the sumps for each
0: system yeah are you talking about feeding your fish or are you talking about feeding your coral
1: i'm talking about feeding the coral and what are you feeding those I feed, so I made up a schedule and every day I feed something a little different. So like, like Mondays and Fridays, I'll dose amino acids, you know, Tuesdays I'll do reefroids and all the systems. Um, Thursday I do phytoplankton, Saturday I'll do coral pellets and then I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll even feed twice a day um, just depending on, on the load I'm trying to do.
0: Yeah, and I've seen that amino acids have kind of erupted over the past year in popularity. Why do you find do you find that the aminos really help the corals grow?
1: Yes, I do. Um, I don't think that the aminos are something that you absolutely have to do to get good growth. You can do, I think, just feeding the corals. Period, um, really help with growth and coloration. Whether you're buying, you know frozen stuff from the fish store or you're mixing your own food up or doing amino acids i just think feeding the things really help them to grow faster that's that's the main point
0: mm-hmm. and am i right in saying that the corals can absorb the aminos through their tissue so you can kind of like force feed them
1: um yeah it it's kind of species dependent again um a lot of the soft corals um They're not like real active feeders like some of the LPS, like acanthastria, you know, they have tentacles and you can see them pull pieces of squid and mice shrimp, you know, into their mouth. They're, they're very aggressive eaters, but some of the soft ones, like, you know, we'll just take a toadstool leather, for example, they are not aggressive eaters. They don't make any attempt to eat or nothing visual you can see. So yeah, they get their nutrients from, you know, the lights on your aquarium, they're photosynthetic but they do absorb nutrients in from the water column through their tissues. And and that's where the amino acids can, can help out.
0: So you think for a toadstool grower or like maybe what other corals, maybe mushrooms that it would help a lot to feed the aminos?
1: Um, I have definitely noticed better growth in like my toadstool leathers, my Kenya trees, uh, soft corals like that. Um, I, I have noticed better growth since I've been doing the aminos. Um, yeah, mushrooms, it'll help. You can actually feed mushrooms, too. They they do have an oral disc.
0: Yeah, and, but the toadstools, they don't have the mouth, right? Correct. That is correct. Besides coral, are you going to ever aquaculture your own uh, fish, like breed your own fish, or is that is that not in the plans? Uh,
1: right now, it's not in the plans. That's kind of a whole different ball game yeah and i honestly to be honest with you i don't know a ton about fish i I focus pretty much on the coral that's what i'm going to focus on
0: Mm -hmm. so for a beginner to start growing coral earlier you talked about the three main stabilities that you need to keep in check Mm -hmm. if you were going to start a tank what would be the top five things that you would do
1: yeah so so basically like you can call it the holy trinity, you know, of, of aquarium care, if you will. So you need to have correct lighting flow and water chemistry to keep, you know, your corals alive and happy. Um, that sounds easy, but there's a lot of components that goes into each one of those. Um, but those are the three main things that you need to control to, to be successful in the hobby. And there are, there are many different ways of doing that. And like something that works for me, I know you have a tank will, may, may not work for you. It, it 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 just varies.
0: So what size tank would you recommend for a beginner?
1: If, if you're going to be serious about doing it, I would recommend going the biggest that you can in, in the space that you have available to you. And the reason for that is just the more water volume you have in a system, the more stable it will tend to stay on its own. You won't get the 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 wide fluctuations as easily.
0: Mm-hmm. And then what corals would you suggest? Are there any specific corals that are the easiest, like soft corals, LPS or SPS, or does it all range from coral to coral and species to species?
1: Um well, if you're brand new, first you got to cycle, you know, your aquarium correctly. And, and that's probably enough material for, for another podcast. But after the cycling of your aquarium, once that's all done and you're ready to try corals out, the first coral I would recommend for somebody is just a, a mushroom, like a, a Discosoma um, mushroom. Try, try one of those out first because they're, they're very, very tolerant and they're very hard to kill. If you're, if you're killing mushrooms and there's something seriously wrong with your aquarium, so definitely start with a mushroom first one.
0: And then, so mushrooms, they can be pretty plain though. What are some like, you're now you're at like the five month mark. Okay. And you're getting the hang of it and your water is getting more stable. What kind of corals would you add at this point to add a little more flow and a little more like. Make your tank a little cooler.
1: Right, yeah. Um, so start with the mushrooms. Then I would recommend after a mushroom, maybe trying like a leather coral, a toadstool leather. And then once you got those down and they're good in your tank, they're both soft corals. Well, technically a, a mushroom's not a coral, but we can get into that later. Um, yeah, so start with a the mushroom, then a toadstool leather. And if they're good, Like maybe you want to dip your toes into the LPS world a little bit. Um, I would recommend maybe a Duncan, a regular Duncan coral. They're pretty, um, they're fairly easy to care for, fairly tolerant. And when they get bigger, you know, they can add, you know, a little fluidity to the tank with their tentacles. And they're a coral that you can actually feed. So it adds another aspect there. It's kind of fun to take care of. I was going to say I would definitely stay away, you know, from... Most,
0: For sure. Yeah. When I was keeping Duncan's, they were, yeah, really they are very and aggressive.
1: Food. And if you they feed them so regularly, um, they'll, they'll grow fairly quickly for an LPS coral.
0: Before we go, let's talk about your upcoming beginner's guide oh, okay. to reefing yeah, um, the book.
1: So I got the first draft done. It's nowhere ready to come out yet. I got to edit it and stuff. It's roughly 140 pages or so. And it's definitely geared towards, you know, somebody just starting out in the hobby. Um, It it starts out, you know, just talking about, you know, aquariums and how to set up your first aquarium and get it through the cycling process. And and I talk a little bit about, you know, the equipment needed to do that and what you need to to set up the system and and get it running and the cycling process, get you through that and kind of what to expect and then. I included um, about 30 corals, like a coral care guide section in the book that goes through the individual care requirements for each one of those corals. So basically, you know, 30 of the most popular corals in the hobby that people can start out with and, and kind of gave them a guide on, on how to care for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's really cool. And that's going to be really helpful, I think. But yeah, thank you so much for coming yeah, no on. No problem.
1: It. Um you can if in the meantime until the book comes out, you know, you can check out CNM Aquatics on YouTube. We got a channel that we're releasing a, a new video every week.